Hey, come on, aren't you glad to be at church? Man, I'm glad you're here. Uh, for those of you that don't know me, my name is Brandon Doss. I'm one of the pastors here. We are in week two of a series we've titled Dirty Stinking Stables. Ah, we're talking about people. Anybody ever had somebody in your life that's just difficult? Um, we've all been there. Uh, this month's series, if you've got your notes, go ahead and pull those out of your worship guide. There's a, there's a theme verse we're reading Together all month, it says it this way without oxen, the stable stays clean. But you get a but you need a strong ox for a large harvest. Life would be, it's true, life would be so much simpler apart from people. Isn't that true? We we like it would be so simple if it weren't for people, except there would be no harvest in any of our lives. No good thing would actually come from our lives apart from people. God designed it that way. So last week, we kicked off our series with the know-it-all. Anybody know somebody like that in your life? If it's your, don't look at your neighbor if it's them. Uh, some people in here are like, no, I don't, I don't know anybody like that. It's you. Everybody else thinks you're it. <laughs> you're the know-it-all. Um, and we, the, the, the difference, the subtle difference in this series, then you'll notice maybe in the past when we've done series wrapped around relationships or dealing with people is typically speaking, we're teaching us how to handle people like that in our lives. And more so this month, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping to teach us all how not to be those people in everybody else's life. The, the, how we treat people, the lives that we live largely will determine the quality of life that we have and they have around us. God designed us to be in community with people, to do life with people. It's supposed to be that way. <coughs> Excuse me. The harvest actually is designed to come from being with people. There's a reason why it says, but you need a strong ox for a large harvest. Jesus said it this way. It says in the gospels that he looked out over a crowd of people and he had compassion on them like sheep without a shepherd. And, that, and, he, and, and he looked over to his disciples and he said, I need you to see this. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. There's a huge harvest, but there's few people willing to deal with the work that needs to be done to garner the harvest, to, to reap the harvest. So without, a, without an ox, the stable stays clean. Life is simple, but it's pretty boring. It's pretty depressing. There's really not a lot of fruit that comes from living a life away from people. And so today we're going to talk about, we titled your message, uh, The Lazy Bones. The Lazy Bones. I love that title. That Proverbs talks a lot about laziness. As a matter of fact, the Bible actually has a ton to say about laziness in our life. It's legit become, and I think in our culture, an epidemic in America, in our cultural Christianity. I think it's a big deal. And, and so we're going to talk a lot about what that looks like. And I know many of us, it's just a kind of a, a subtlety. It's a subtle thing that we all have. I read this week uh, what people kind of think about laziness, some funny things. It says, uh, they said, don't get mad at lazy people. They didn't do anything. <laughs> they didn't do nothing. Why are you mad at them? Someone said, if I won an award for laziness, I would send somebody else to pick it up for me. <laughs> uh, if it were a pill to cure procrastination, a lazy person would just take it tomorrow. <laughs> I'll do that tomorrow. I love this one. This is the ultimate dad joke. What kind of shoes do lazy people wear? Loafers. <laughs> here's one for all you educated folks. Here's, here's one for the smart people. Lazy people are like the number eight. Once it lies down, it becomes infinite. 
You'll get it later. It, uh, it's beyond, it, it took me a minute to, oh, okay, I get it. Uh, infinite. <laughs> I get it. Uh, someone described laziness like this, the art of taking rest before getting tired. Because prevention is better than cure. <laughs> that's true. That's what they say. Here's what I know. Laziness is a counterfeit Sabbath. It, Sabbath isn't lazy. What's Sabbath? It's where we see Scripture. God commands it. God desires it. It's, it's a rest from the work he committed in Gen, that he had, he had performed in Genesis. So lazy isn't Sabbath, and Sabbath isn't lazy. We know that. So what is actually, what, is it, what does it mean for me to live a life of laziness and it doesn't honor God? Did you know this? I discovered this this week. In the book of Proverbs, it talks a lot, hundreds of times. There's hundreds of references in the Bible about laziness. And did you know when you read through the book of Proverbs, there's all kinds of characters, right? Wisdom is a character and uh, uh, the promiscuous woman. Like you see all of these different characters, temptation. There are two treacherous characters in the book of Proverbs. Only two. There's only two of all of it that can derail your life. The first one is the adulterous or promiscuous woman, temptation in your life. The second one, y'all, laziness. The sluggard is what many translations uh, label it as. Think about that. Let that set in for a second. The two primary things that Scripture says can derail our lives, the on-ramps to just about every other thing that would derail our lives in the world, one is temptation, right? The other is laziness. I would have never dreamed. In my, like I would have never thought that's the thing. And so the Bible says a lot about it. It gives us as stern a warning for laziness in our life as it does for us fleeing temptation in our life. Both of these characters were designed by the enemy to derail the life of a follower of God. It's possible, I think, that of all the things that could derail our faith, I think creeping in our lives is this particular thing. This subtle enemy, I think, could be the biggest culprit. And so today I want to share with you three reasons why Scripture says it's so dangerous, okay? So I'm gonna pray and we'll dive into our notes today. God, thank you for your word. I pray uh, we honor you because it's alive and breathing. It's for us. We're not just opening a book and reading today, but God, we're hearing from the voice of God. And so God, may we enter into this moment just as it is, um, that your presence is here. You're speaking to all of us individually where we are in our life. And so pray, I pray that it speaks to us, it encourages us, it empowers us, it directs us, it guides us. Some of us, it will convict us and it will, uh, it will show us a better way. And ultimately, I know and I pray that today we walk out of this place equipped by your word to live a life on purpose that honors you for the good works you've called us to do. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, number one, write this down. Why is it that it's such a big deal? Laziness, laziness angers God. It really does. Why do you think it does? Well, there's a, there's a significant passage of scripture in Ezekiel chapter 16, and it reminds us, Ezekiel the prophet reminds us of Sodom's actual sins. You've heard of the city, Sodom and Gomorrah. You've heard of all of the horrible things. And most of us probably, whether you know much about the Bible or not, you've heard of that city and you've heard of the atrocities that happened in that city uh, through generations. Like it was passed down, all the crazy stuff that happened. But did you know, uh, Ezekiel kind of sets the record straight of what the actual problem was. He says, Sodom's sins were pride, gluttony, and laziness. Pride, gluttony, you want to underline that. Pride, gluttony, and laziness. While the poor and needy suffered outside their doors. 
You see, the actual thing that led to the other stuff in their life that, every, that all of us would go, oh, I can't believe they did that. It actually began with pride and gluttony and laziness. And I would even submit you to this, that gluttony and, uh, and pride are a byproduct of laziness in our life. I would say this, that, that laziness is what, would, what I would call a gateway sin in the world. What do you mean? It's just a slippery slope. We fall into that subtlety. We fall into that small thing, and it leads. One thing always leads to another. And that's what happened with the city of Sodom. That's what happened with Sodom and Gomorrah. One thing led to the other. It was a gateway sin for them. It's one of the reasons God hates it so much. Why does God hate laziness? Why is it a sin? Because it pushes us away from his ultimate destiny and purpose for our lives. So let's talk about it. Proverbs says it talks about it this way in chapter 24, verse 30 through 34, right there in your notes. He said, Solomon said, I walked by the field of a person, uh, a lazy person, the vineyard of one who uh, with no common sense I saw that it was overgrown with nettles, it was covered with weeds, its walls were broken down. It was unkept, unclean, unprepared, is really what he's saying. Then as I looked and I thought about it, I learned this lesson. Listen to what he says. A little extra sleep, a little more slumber, a little more folding of the hands to rest, then poverty will pounce on you like a bandit, scarcity will attack you like an armed robber. Why is laziness considered a sin? Why is that? Because you want to write this down. Laziness is a counterfeit Sabbath. It's designed by the enemy. It's designed by the enemy to trick you into something that God ultimately said was a blessing. It's a counterfeit Sabbath. Notice that Proverbs uses sleep and rest in the context of what he's saying or what the lazy person would say. Rest is a good thing. It's commanded by God. He told us to do it. Uh, Sabbath is actually blessed and honored by God. Sabbath is worship of God. Here's the difference. Laziness is worship of self. Sabbath honors God. Laziness honors me. Sabbath leads to God's favor in your life. Laziness leads to scarcity. What is that? Lack. Laziness sucks all of the good right out of your life. While Sabbath, the thing that God commands, actually promotes the blessing of God in your life. Let me explain what that looks like. There's a passage of scripture in Genesis chapter 2. It's not in your notes. You can write it down as a reference. It'll be up on the screens. Where it begins to talk about the, the contrast of what this looks like. It says, on the seventh day, God had finished his work of creation. Everybody say finished. One, two, three. Finished. finished. After he had finished, he rested. he rested from all of his work. And God blessed the seventh day and he declared it holy because it was the day when he rested from all of his work in creation. Now, I wanted you to notice it's subtle, but in the English language, they were translated, unfortunately, as the same words. But the word used for rest in Proverbs 24 and really all of the uh, moments where it talks about rest in Proverbs and the word used for rest in Genesis 2 aren't the same words. You see, the word that we've actually translated as rest in Genesis actually means to cease something, to cease from a finished work. In other words, you can see, he says it in Genesis, he looked over all that he had created and he rested from it. He took a break from a completed work. See, Sabbath is the celebration of a completed work. Laziness is the delay of a work getting done. 
There is a staunch difference between the two. It's a subtle thought when we think of it in our lives today. Many of us can't, can't think of the last time that we were actually able to celebrate a work being completed. When is the last time you've been able to authentically rest from a completed work because we've too many oftentimes fallen into the trap of laziness, a delay of a work being accomplished? Laziness angers God, y'all, because it turns us into idols. You see, Sabbath worships God. We just said it. Laziness turns me into an idol that I worship myself. You see, culture's conditioned us for that. We've been conditioned in American culture to think of me to think of me, me, my, myself first. Uh, mental health is a huge thing. It's very important, but we're conditioned in this world to, if you feel overwhelmed, if you feel overdone, to take care of yourself. Nobody's going to do it for you. Self-care is the best care. And while on the surface, all of that looks good, while on the surface that can be appealing, it is a subtle, small shift in direction in life that will lead us far from God. Because Jesus didn't say this. Jesus never said, come to me, all you who are exhausted or carry heavy burdens. Y'all go practice some self-care. Y'all go, go take care of yourself. Jesus said, come to who? Me, and I will give you rest. I will give you. It's a celebration of completed work. The, the idea of rest in this world is not necessarily that. I, the idea of rest in this world is a, is, a, is a break from exhaustion. Here's what I know. There is a biblical perfect model that God has instilled and installed into this world to create healthy rhythms in our life. We're all supposed to have healthy rhythms, and God designed it and created it. But here's what I know. Many of us have ignored God's design, and as a result, our fields are like what happened in Proverbs 24. They're overgrown. They're covered in weeds. The walls are broken down, and we're all exhausted, and we don't understand why. Because laziness angers God. Why? Because it's a subtle difference. It pulls us away from worshiping God and causes us to worship self. Number two, you want to write this down. It angers God, but it also affects others. It affects others around me. It makes a big difference. Many of us think, well, I'm not hurting anybody. It's all about me. We're conditioned to think about ourselves, and, and in turn, it blinds us to the things going on around us. But look at what Proverbs says about it. It says, vinegar to, as vinegar to the teeth and as smoke to the eyes, so is the sluggard to those who send him. Proverbs 18 and 9, a lazy person is as bad as someone who destroys things. Let that sink in. It's destructive. Laziness is destructive to people around me. What you don't do can be as harmful to those around you as the things that you would have done or have done in your life. Laziness has been defined this way as a general lack of motivation. This bleeds over into our relationships, a general lack of motivation to accomplish something. Do y'all know this? Check this out. Studies suggest that uh, laziness may be caused by a decreased level of motivation, lack of interest, and confidence, which in turn can be caused by overstimulation or excessive distractions in life. What does that mean? 
It means that we can be so distracted from things that don't matter in this world that we are overly exhausted time and time again and that we're actually never able to accomplish God's purpose and will for our life because we're too busy running on the rat race that none of us were actually ever intended to be in. And so we live this life of constant exhaustion and it, and it, and it drives us far away from God's ultimate purpose from our life. Remember, Sabbath, what is Sabbath? do, it energizes us. Sabbath reinvigorates what God's purpose and plan is. It allows us to, re, uh, to re, re-up and re-energize and be ready for the next task at hand. Laziness only makes you more exhausted. It only makes you more. They say this, lazy people have higher levels of depression and anxiety. Do you know that? Lazy people are more critical of others. They often become completely critical of their own lives and their own circumstances. For example, have you ever had a day in which you said, today is just going to be a lazy day. I'm going to make it. It's just going to, I'm going to enjoy this day. And you lay around in bed all day long. And anybody been there? And man, you get up at like four in the afternoon. You've been there all day long. And you get up and like your head's heavy. And you're like, man, I'm, I'm exhausted from resting. Anybody been there? Like, why, why am I so sleepy? I've rested all day long. Well, it's because laziness is actually more exhausting. Laziness literally sucks life out of you while while intentionally worshiping God through Sabbath actually energizes you. It makes a difference. It affects people around you. Often we've fallen into this trap of laziness and we're exhausting ourselves and we're exhausting those around us. Psychologists suggest that it's actually laziness rather than the, all the stuff leading to it that's causing all of the chaos in our lives. If I were to take a survey of my life, if you were to take a survey of your life and you walked into what Proverbs talks about in Proverbs 24 and then it talks about it in 10 and 18, would my life, is my life unkept? Are there weeds growing up? Is there chaos all around? And is, are the actions in my life or the lack thereof, is it as bad as someone who destroys things? Is it impacting those around me in a negative way? Number three, write this down. It's important because it angers God. It affects others. Y'all, I think this one's even more, uh, probably most important. It aborts outcomes. I believe the reason, one of the, one of the reasons the Bible encourages us to flee from laziness like it does temptation and like it does what we would call greater sins in this world. We know, listen, sin is sin. It all separates us from God. But what we would declare is a greater sin. We all like to level those things out, right? Like if I showed all of y'all tomorrow a news article that said um, uh, this person is, it has been arrested for murdering 35 people and like that's what they did and that's, you know, you would go, they deserve everything that they get, right? And then we said in the same thing, this person's been arrested for simply just being lazy. <laughs> You'd go, man, what kind of world is this? They're throwing people in prison for, <laughs> for being lazy. You know, Sin is sin. It separates us from the purpose and plan from God's life. And so many of us fall into a subtleness of laziness in our life, and it deters us from God's purpose and plan, and it aborts outcomes. Let's read it. Proverbs 12 and 24 says it this way. I could have, first of all, I could have shared with you 60 different passages. I could have shared with you a whole bunch of these through Proverbs and the rest of Scripture. But listen to what the contrast is. Work hard and become a leader. Be lazy and become a slave. It's a contrast. 
Proverbs 21 and 25. Despite their desires, the lazy will come to ruin. Why? For their hands refuse to work. Here's what I know. If we're breathing in this room, God absolutely has a plan and purpose for your life. It's a good plan. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and give you a future. I know for a fact, if you're in the room, if we're here, if we're live and breathing, God has a good purpose, a good plan for all of our lives. Unfortunately, I think so many people in our day and in our culture, we have fallen into a trap that has aborted God's purpose and plan for many of our lives. We all play a role in accomplishing God's plan. Did you know that? You play a role. What you decide to do and what you decide not to do plays a role in God's destiny for your life. So here's a hard question I want you to ask. How many opportunities have I aborted in life because of my commitment to self, my, my commitment to falling into the subtlety of laziness. Your career could be stalled, not because of something going on around us. It could be stalled for, for, because I'm lazy. My relationship could be suffering, not because of anything else other than I'm not putting in the work needed to be put in to accomplish the thing that God ultimately wants to happen. Opportunities may be fewer in life despite... Their desires, the Bible says, right? Proverbs 21, despite their desires, all of us have hopes and dreams. All of us have wants of what we wish could happen and would like to happen if everything worked out well. But the Bible says, despite their hopes, despite their desires, they come to ruin because of their refusal to do anything about it. What things, what plan, what destiny have I aborted? I'm telling you, I'm gonna be honest with you. I can honestly tell you there's times in my life in which there opportunities come in life, by, this, by the way, opportunities come in life not in big swinging open doors. They're windows of opportunity. Most opportunities that you'll ever see in your life that could make a difference in your life, they're not huge doors, they're windows. And how many windows of opportunities have you missed in your life because of a wrong perspective? Because of, because of a wrong that I've done, an opportunity. There's been times in my life I've had to admit it in which I was upset and I didn't like the outcome. But if I was honest with myself, I would have had to have said it wasn't anybody else's fault. I fell into the trap of culture. I was lazy. I didn't do it. And so I want to share with you three things real quick. How do, how do I beat lazy? Number one, how do, I, how do I fight that temptation? Because it's a simple one. It's easy to fall into. Number one is I gotta, I gotta check my perspective. Write that word down, perspective. Remind yourself that Sabbath isn't lazy, it's intentional, but lazy is not Sabbath. Sabbath is intentional acts of worship to God. Sabbath is an action verb. It is legitimately something you're doing. Laziness is something I'm not doing. It is a delay, it is a procrastination from the good. Am I ceasing, am I ceasing from accomplished work? Am I celebrating an accomplished task or am I delaying the good work that I'm supposed to be doing? Relationally, spiritually, emotionally, physically, am I delaying God's ultimate good or am I celebrating what he's allowing me to accomplish? It's my perspective that matters. Number two, this one's huge. You need to write this down. Community. 
I can't ever, I don't think, I think if you've walked into Cultivate Church over the last 12 years, more things have been communicated this way than any other thing. Your ability or inability to be in a godly community ultimately changes the outcome of your life more than any other thing. My mama said it when I was little, son, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. And I'm telling you, I know it's cliche, but the older I get, the more true I know it to be. If there's ever anything, if you've been here for a long time, you will hear, you will never hear us stop saying, okay, how's your life? If you get, if you get godly counsel from us and they go, man, I just don't understand. One of the first things we're going to say is, who is in your life? What kind of community are you in? Show me your friends. I'll show you your future. The people in your life matter. You need to get into a small group. It is important. You go, oh, I'm above that, or I'm better than that, or I don't need that. I'm okay by myself. You are lying to yourself. It's wrong. You cannot. You will not succeed. The Christian life will not succeed this side of heaven isolated by themselves. You'll never do it. And I'm just telling you, I'm not telling you that you need one more thing to put on your schedule. I'm not telling you just need another thing to make you busy. I'm telling you that to survive this world, to, to thrive in this world as a follower of Jesus, you need people spurring you along, encouraging you along. Small groups went live today. There's a, there's, a, there's a table out there. We've got more small groups this semester than we have really. In the, there's 40-something small groups that you can choose to be a part of this semester. And I'm just, I'm, I'm begging you, get into community. Start doing life with people. I know this to be true in my own life. Why? Because I've lived it and I've seen the repercussions of it. Isolation is the echo chamber of the enemy's voice. It will, it, isolation magnifies the enemy's voice in your life. There's a reason why we just read that psychologists say that the more isolated you get, the more isolated you get, the, the more depressed people become. The more isolated you get, the further you pull away, away from healthy people, the, the more dangerous life becomes. You were never designed to do life alone for the love of God. Get into community. Stop doing it by yourself. And I'm just going to tell you, I'm just going to be honest with you. If you're here, if you're at Cultivate Church, and really, honestly, whatever local church you may find yourself in, if you, don't find, if you find yourself isolated and alone and lonely in the context of a local church, it's your fault. It's my fault. Get into community. Get around people. Start doing life with people. It makes the difference. Number three, this one's huge. Write this down. I need to triage my priorities. What do you mean by that? It means I need, to, I need to prioritize what's going on in my life. Am I so consumed with things going on that I'm always tempted to slight the things that matter most? Listen, I know. I'm, I'm going to tell you how easy it becomes. Let me tell you how easy it is. We, get, we, we have kids. Our kids are busy. Their schedules are busy. They've got stuff going on all the time. All of us, every parent in this room of children, it gets busy. And honestly, the older they get, the crazier it gets. Who would agree with that, right? The older they get, the, the more insane that calendar becomes. And I mean, it's like all the time something's happening. All the time something is going on. And I'm, I'm a pastor of a local church, been doing this my whole life. And I can tell you, I, even I, am tempted to look at my calendar through small group seasons and different parts of life and go, if anything else has to to go, well, we're just going to skip small group that night, or we're just going to not go to that thing. We're gonna, they'll understand. We, got, we, have a, we, have a, we have a commitment that we've made, and you're not careful. You find yourself sliding the things that ultimately mean the greater difference in your life for temporary outcomes. 
What, is, what do I mean by that? Y'all, I played ball my whole life. I played sports my entire life until somebody came along and said, son, you're just not good enough. Give it up, right? Like you're not going to make it to this next level. I played until they told me I couldn't play anymore. But can I tell you, the things that made the greatest difference in my life, I look back over those seasons of life, the things that made the greatest difference were not the things that I thought in the moment did. It was the things that made the difference were the relationships that were formed in the context of those things. That's what matters. It's not the thing. It's the community that you find yourself in. Am I saying you can't find godly community outside of the local church? That's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is if you don't have community in some way, form, or fashion, you have to have it. It matters. Prioritize the things that matter most and stop canceling out the things that are going to push you closer to God. It matters. I'm going to pray for you. Will you bow your heads and close your eyes? The bottom line is this. Here's the bottom line. Sabbath is holy. God's gonna honor it. It leads to prosperity in your life. But laziness leads to lack. And this is the thing I want you to ask yourself as you survey your life this morning. Where's the lack? Where's the prosperity? Where's God's favor? Where am I missing it? Have I fallen into the trap of the enemy that's pulling me away from God's best in my life? I've been preaching a long time. I've been teaching God's word a long time. I believe that this subtle trick of the enemy has done more to derail more people's faith in this world and in our culture today than any other thing. Why, it's a slippery slope. Remember, remember what we read, the sin of Sodom. It wasn't the atrocities. It wasn't all the crazy stuff. It was a simple sin of laziness and gluttony and pride. Am I so consumed with the world around me that I've put myself as an idol above God? Maybe you're here today and it all begins ultimately with a relationship with Jesus. Maybe you're tuned in online and you would ultimately submit to yourself if you're just honest, if you're asking yourself this question, Lord, what do I wanna do with this word today? What do I need to do? If you're honest, would you, would you be honest with yourself and say, have I placed myself, my values, my wants, my desires, my things, have I put that in front of Jesus? Have I lifted myself above his purpose, his plan for my life? Is there lack in my life? If I'm honest, am I lacking in relationship? Is my career lacking? Is my life lacking in any way? And if it is, Where's my community that's pointing me to Jesus? Where's the thing that actually matters? Sabbath isn't rest. And rest, it's not always Sabbath. What does it look like for me to honor God in this way? Maybe it begins with a relationship with Jesus. Maybe you're here today and your life has, if you're honest, your life has always been about you. It's really never been about anything else and certainly never been about God. It's been me first. And I've fallen into that trap and ultimately it needs to change. You need to, you need to commit your life to Jesus before anything else can change. And you would simply say this prayer, God, I'm sorry. Forgive me of my sin that I've lived my life in a love for myself over anything else. Help me to put you first. 
Jesus, I believe with all of my heart that you came to this world and lived a sinless life and you died on a cross and came back to life three days later, conquering death, hell, and the grave for my salvation. So Jesus, this morning, I accept you as my savior. And from this point forward, I follow you as Lord of my life. And Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for all of our family. God, everybody under the sound of my voice, those tuned in online, those in the room, God, I pray that we would evaluate our our faith journey right now. Have we fallen into the subtle trap of the enemy? Have we allowed ourselves to forget the Sabbath and worship of ourselves too long? God, remind us how we can triage, how we can put you first and how we can get into community and how we can spur one another along to what you've called us to do, to live our life on purpose this side of heaven. God, may that make all the difference in our lives and may it make all the difference in our spheres of influence. Father, today we declare that we're walking out of this place inspired to live our lives on purpose in a way that honors you. And may you get all the glory and all the honor out of it. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, 1015. Can you honor Jesus this morning? We love you, Lord. Hey, if you made a decision to follow Jesus, um, please let us know. Mark that on your Connect card. There's a couple of reasons, okay? We want to celebrate with you. We really do, but we believe this. All of heaven is celebrating the moment people say yes to him, and that's you today. If that's you, we want to celebrate with you, but we want to send you some next steps. You're not in this thing alone by yourself, okay? There's a lot of folks that want to link arms with you and do this thing together, so please, please, please mark it on your Connect card, and we're going to send you some next steps this next week. because you've done that, all right? Hey, listen, we're gonna transition to an opportunity to give. Uh, If you're our guest today, this isn't for you. It's how we push the mission forward. It's for those of us that call Cultivate Church home. There's a lot of ways to give up on the screen. We just believe in generosity, so we make it super simple. It's the honor of my family's life that we get to do this together. We automate our giving. It's super simple. Uh, I get a receipt the first of every month that says, thank you for your generosity. We give even when we forget to give. We just make sure that it is a top priority in our family's life. Why? Because the, the disciples reminded themselves often of this fact. Ready? In the book of Acts, they said, remember what the Lord taught us, that it's better to give than to receive. And you know what? There's never been a moment in my life that I authentically lived in generosity, that I was not, that that was not true in my life. It's better to give than to receive. And over the last decade plus as a local church, we've been, we've lived that out as a church and it has made a massive difference in the world. Thousands upon thousands of people have come to faith in Jesus. Y'all, not because they sat in a worship experience at Cultivate Church, but because we gave in generosity to, to advance the gospel. And because of your generosity, It's made a difference in heaven. And there's going to be people that all of us meet in heaven one day that the only connection between us and them was our generosity. Isn't that crazy? It makes a big difference. So thank you. Thank you for for living out a life of generosity. I'm reminded of the old song we used to sing uh, back in the day. You remember that old song? Thank you. I ain't going to sing it. Forgiven to the Lord. Yeah, yeah. I'm reminded of it all the time. There was going to be people that you meet all the time that are going to say, thank you for being generous because it made a difference in my life. And, it, it, and I promise you, it's made a difference in yours. So thank you for being generous. Y'all, it makes all the difference, all right? Would you stand with me? I'm gonna pray a blessing over you as you're dismissed today. God, thank you for your word. Thank you that it's alive and breathing. It's for us. And God, I pray favor over every person in this room under the sound of my voice, those online. God, I pray a blessing over every one of them. God, that we would walk out of these doors this week inspired to live a life on purpose that honors you and may it make a difference in the sphere of influence you've placed us in. You'll get all the glory.